0: Welcome to episode 24 of the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Gieschek. And I'm Andrew Whaley. Uh, This episode is called Don't Follow Your Passion. Uh, Because basically Andrew and I are old curmudgeons and want you to do a boring job the rest of your life, right? It's not
1: true because you are a boring old curmudgeon and I still believe in, in personal vocation and passion and destiny. You can go back and listen to our first couple podcasts when we... Took it to the mat on these issues. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay, well, uh, so what sparked this conversation was a book that neither of us have read that we both want to read at some points, by this guy named Cal Newport, right? Isn't that his name? I don't remember. Uh, It was on the Art of Manliness podcast. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You, Why Skills Trump Passion in the Quest for the Work You Love uh, by Business Plus Press, uh, came out in 2012. And the basic argument of the book, right, is that um, if you want... To have, uh, if you want to obtain your career objectives or goals or whatever, what matters isn't so much how passionate you are Mm -hmm. and doing the thing that you're passionate about, uh, but is uh, uh, basically earning what he calls career capital by becoming extremely good at the thing that you do, becoming extremely skilled, uh, in order that you can exchange those skills for some of the things that you desire as far as career objectives go. And he talks about things like having more autonomy or not so much about money, actually. That's not really the point of the book, but having meaningful work, having an impact, having autonomy. He he gives this whole list of things that you can obtain,
1: so to speak, Mm -hmm. with career capital. Um, And I think that's a good point he's not telling you how to make more money right and i mean so at least we're in the same conversation as the conversation isn't about success in a sense of making money because there's a bunch of different ways to make a lot of money and right. some of them will make you happy some of them won't and money by itself if you're miserable well by definition won't make you happy because you're miserable but and so the, the the idea would be that now this is he's he's refuting Uh, a myth that he says and this is kind of I I think his version of the myth is a little bit of a straw man but the way he lays it out is look you just have to figure out you just take this thing that you're super passionate about and you do only just do that for a living you pursue that for a living and somehow the universe owes you a meaningful career and enough money to keep a roof over your head because you're doing what you're passionate about right and I mean you do hear that Sometimes, but I think that's kind of a straw man. That's not what most people mean when they say follow your passion. I think that that's not what I mean when I, if I would ever say that. I don't really use that phrase, but if I were to say that, it isn't exactly what I would mean.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of people do have that. I mean, especially, uh, you know, you, you'll hear teachers tell a whole classroom full of children, You can do whatever you want when you grow up, you can be anything, you can be right. an astronaut. Uh, without acknowledging the fact that the space program really no longer exists, you know? right. uh, or that maybe you can't actually be anything that you want because some of the things that you might want to do uh, don't exist or never will exist or um, are only for people who have certain life circumstances, right?
1: So you might not be able to be Tiger Woods because you didn't start playing golf when you were 14 months old. Right. My, I, I, have, I have a cousin. I remember when he was a little kid, he, uh, he, wanted, to be a, he wanted to be a preacher motorcycle, m- preacher motorcycle guy. Yeah, that was what he wanted to be when he grew up, or or a fireman, but yeah. pre- preacher motorcycle guy. Well, that and a, might da- exist. I think it does. Oh, it does. No, no his, like a his, biker churches, right? No, yeah, and his, no, his dad was a, a full on Christian, and you know did some preaching, and he used to ride a motorcycle, so he basically wanted to be like his dad. Sure, but he used to go around telling people, "What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a preacher motorcycle guy." That's what yeah. he would say. Oh, that's pretty awesome. So I guess you'd be worse things in this world than a preacher motorcycle guy. So. Well, I, I mean, I think part of um,
0: part of the problem here is kind of like a, a, an incorrect what would you call it interpretation of the American dream right. or something like this, where where yeah you know, we recognize okay this is the land of opportunity and so we just tell children you can just do whatever you want you can you can do anything mm-hmm. you have unlimited potential in any arena when you know the reality is is probably not quite like that. Right. And and I think the, the, the problem with it isn't so much what happens while they're children. Right. It's good it's good to let children dream and be curious. But I think the problem is what happens when they're adults, right? And they find themselves trapped in a cubicle in
1: front of a screen. It's like, you know, it's funny. Uh, Eddie Izzard and Pat Nozzle always raised their ugly head on our podcast. But uh, not because of me, you'll notice. <laughs> Izzard has a great bit about being growing up in the British school system. And saying, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut and go to the far reaches of space where no one's ever been, discover things no one's ever seen. And they're like, hey, you're British, tone it down a bit. (laughs) I want to work in a shoe shop and find shoes that no one's ever seen way in the back up high on the left you're British, tone it down a little bit. He's like, uh, fine, I want to work at a sewer. Uh, Find sewage no one's ever seen. I'm pile it all in my head and go to the surface and sell myself to an art gallery. And he's like, what What have you been smoking, mate? <laughs> so maybe in Britain, at least at least according to Eddie Izzard, yeah. maybe in Britain they're more realistic about it. But, um, well, no, I, think, I, I just think it's important
0: f- for when we're talking to young people, I mean, whether they be little children or whether they be, you know, people who are just embarking out on the car- on their first car- job or whatever, that uh, that we talk in terms that are both inspirational and realistic, mm-hmm. right? So it's not to say that everyone should just be jaded and cynical and right. hate what they do and, you know, go to a job that they hate for 40 years and then retire and... But if you... Here, I, I'm a big... But, but, but I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is that there needs to be a, a, an approach for talking about these things that says, look... It's important that you uh, are passionate about what you do, but that you can't you can't sell that, right? If you go into a job interview and you tell the person, I'm just really passionate about you know what your company does, you know, it makes rocket ships and I I really like rocket ships and I'm really passionate about that and I think that's great. Well that doesn't that's not really like a
1: saleable thing, right? Well, that's no one's not, gonna hire you because you're excited about But that's not do. how you pitch it and I, I think that that's the straw man. I don't think having a true passion for something Is just being excited about a field. I just love rocket ships. That's not what a real passion is. A passion is something that is a doing that comes so effortlessly from your being that it feels like you're expressing what you are, so to speak. See now, this is great because you're taking this
0: uh, this nice Latin word, and you're not doing your whole like classical approach to it. You're you're reinterpreting it in a sort of modern way. Right? Well, what do you mean? Which is great. I mean, it's not. I think it's. I think it's. See, it's, it's I, legitimate. Get, I get in well, trouble I cause, for cause, using big words in Latin, and then I get well, trouble when no, I don't use people, big words in Latin. People will say that okay, uh, if you if you say passion, oh well, that's that's you know, that's all emotional or that's all right. whatever. And you're trying to kind of give it a more legitimate basis, right? right. I'm has, saying has, has well, something to do much deeper with, you know, the way you feel about
1: ice cream or something. I think that the reason we talked to little kids about this in the same reason why this is a good question and kind of a way to kind of for a while, at least sometimes in your different points in your life is when you have a bunch of options and you need to narrow them down a good, one of the first filters to put through there is what do you love and what do you hate? Okay, well, let's put everything that you just love on the list, and let's just eliminate everything that makes you want to jump off a cliff. Okay, now maybe we maybe there's some more practical tools that we should win over this list with. Well, okay, you're five foot. You're probably not going to be uh, an NBA, NBA basketball player, so let's scratch that off. I know you love basketball. You can play it on the weekends, you know. But you but but for the first round, let's go ahead and leave that on, right? And so recently. I mean, I've got a bunch of opportunities and a bunch of different uh, forks in the road kind of in my world right now. And I've been revisiting a question. And that question is, OK, look, and you hear school guidance counselors saying this kind of stuff. If it, they'll phrase it as like if time and money weren't an issue, what would you do? But I'd rather say like, OK, look, you're not going to buy islands or something. You didn't win the lottery and you get 16 million a year or something. but you, money is, you're not going to run into the money wall and it doesn't matter if you get up and listen around in your pajamas or if you go cure cancer, it doesn't matter. The check's going to come in after you've done all your travel and crazy stuff and got that out of your system. What would I see you do on a Wednesday? Because by definition on that Wednesday, you're doing that thing for free. What would I see you do? Well, I would do this and this. Would you still do this? No, I'm only doing – oh, so you're probably only doing that because of the money. Yeah, see, I just, I just don't That's think – I mean, I guess I don't feel like it really works that way. I don't think everybody really has a kind of
0: innate passion for some topic.
1: Do you know But what I mean? I'm not talking about a topic. I'm saying uh, I would always bro- – and I have. I'm broke or if I have money, if I have to go to work, if I don't have to go to work, I want to have conversations with people about interesting ideas. Okay? That's not going to change. I have a podcast where I have interesting conversations with an interesting person about things that I think are interesting, right? I do that for free right now. But if I end up going, okay, of all the projects I have on my list, if I wanted to push hard on one of them and maybe try to make a living out of it, podcasts would be one of them. Why? Because I do this for free. And I enjoy it. I come away from our podcast going, that was fun, let's do another one. Right, but I mean mean, so
0: so let me let me just kind of play devil's advocate here for a second, right? I mean I like eating pancakes. Just so you know whose side you're on. Right. right? Or or pizza, right? You know, but you can't make a living out of that unless you become a competitive eater, which is disgusting. That's a
1: straw man though. That's a straw man. That's not look, if someone loves competing, let's talk about maybe two ways to do the same job even. It's a, it's a, you know, the, let's say you have two people and they're both salespeople and one of them super competitive and he has to have something to measure himself against. The other one gets completely immobilized by competition. One of them you're gonna to have to he's gonna to have to pursue some type of work where he can see his outcomes and measure them against a standard industry wide or on the same team or something, or he's gonna be bored to tears. The other one may be in sales or the same even company, but if he has to compete, it's gonna it's gonna lock him down. I say those are aspects of these two men and their personalities that were probably said fairly early that are not gonna change, that they should factor into what they do. I think, and now you add up a bunch, a long list of those things, and that's kind of who you are and what you have a chance of being amazing right. at. Okay. okay, so I do agree, right,
0: that personality personalities exist, right, and that every person has a set of givens, so to speak, that right. they are playing with. Um, I think that, uh, you know, some of the, the recent brain science studies that are popularized in books like Talent is Overrated mm-hmm. uh, show that we used to overplay the talent thing a lot, right. And that, uh, and the innate, the innate gifting, and that actually, uh, people that are extremely skilled and super performers in their in their domains, are uh, are people that have really just put in the hard work, mm-hmm. you know, the ten thousand hours kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say that personality doesn't play a role, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, if you hate talking to people, then probably getting a job where you talk to people all the time is not the way to go, right, in right. terms of achieving your career objectives. So, um, but but I, I, don't, I guess I, I see those things as less as motivational factors and more as limiting factors, right? Like there's a limited sphere in which I'm going to be successful or I'm going to enjoy my work. Mm-hmm. But that what motivates me, right, is not... Um, the limitations, right? What what motivates me is something much deeper. I think.
1: Well, I think. Okay, what the what the 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 what was it? Cal Cal Newport. Cal Newport's talking about it, saying, "Look, you're an investment banker. The the your path to living a meaningful life is probably at picking an aspect of investment banking and some kind of work in that." area that you're amazing at, that you love, and then becoming and more and more of an expert at that area and doing that over and over again, it probably doesn't, the example he uses, and he studied these people, these investment bankers in New York are quit and go buy Vermont farms, and it's probably not that, right? It's probably not just dropping everything. You start where you are. A good example would be um, uh, getting things done, and my good friend David Allen, right? Okay, so then... He says, look, I mean, you could start with, okay, why am I on the planet? Okay, well, then these are the six top level kind of like 40,000 foot objectives I need to have while I'm here. Okay, now here, let's get some five to 20 year goals on each of these. Now let's get this down to the project level. And now let's figure out next actions. He goes, if you got a long time and you're real clear on all that, you can do that. But really what you do is you go, okay, job number one is figure out how to get cat food off of your brain and buy, should I buy the new car, figure out how to get your head clear and get everything wrangled. So you can actually deal with all the stuff that's yanking your chain right now. And then that kind of stuff will start kind of emerging when you start really showing up and dealing with your life. Right. And, but then on the other hand, you have some, some, someone like people like StrengthsFinder and the Gallup organization that are going to go, no, man, there are some real serious rubrics inside you, some talent themes or something that you're just amazing at, and they sit so close to you, these themes, that you wouldn't recognize them as strengths. And I know when I took StrengthsFinder the first time, I saw my top five, and I'm like, these are strengths. These are the things that distract me and keep me from doing what I want to do, and it turns out, isn't are they, I go, isn't everybody like that? It's like, doesn't everybody spend three to five hours a week alone thinking? Doesn't ever, really? They don't. I, I you, we're really unique, right? Sure, sure. And so figuring out, and I like to say, and I don't know, you might this would be this would be a good point of disagreement, maybe. I think that everyone on Earth is Michael Jordan at something. Maybe not as big as basketball or golf like Tiger Woods, but some particular very contextual thing. They're just amazing at it. And I think that you can develop those things, and part of life is finding out those places. this is, I think, where we do have a disagreement. I mean,
0: I, I kind of like the romance of that notion, but I think from my perspective, skills
1: are not something that you just have. I'm not talking about skills. I'm just talking about strengths, which are something different than a skill. A skill is a strength applied to a very particular situation. I'm talking about um, one of my strengths themes in StrengthsFinder is futuristic. I'm constantly looking at the way things are, looking at trends, and going, where is this going? Where is this going? Another one of mine is strategic. So I go, what if? So I put a contingency. What if we did this? Could we change this? Could this end differently if we did this? But then another one of my weird ones is context, which means I like to look to the past to figure out how to do that. Here's how we got here. Yeah, but but
0: does that make you Michael Jordan at at being
1: strategic? Not at being strategic, but I mean I know what a few of my – like I've gone through Marcus Buckingham's further – kind of looking at your current life, looking at what you're amazing at and figuring out what that is. And I know a few of my strengths that are just that are just like am if I could do that nothing but that for a living, I would be world class. Okay, so so
0: I think the difference Very few would things. be that you know, you said that everybody is Michael Jordan at something. Right. yeah uh, and I would say everyone has the potential to be Well, okay, that's something right They have that aptitude right okay? right in a, in a given area. That's well that's what and, I meant to say. and that's that's fair enough, but you can't actually become Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or whatever you're 10 thousand hours without the 10,000 hours. No, I'm right? fine. you've got to put in the time and the work and stuff. But
1: that being said, it's like there are things that when you when you come away from one of these things and the things that are in your head are like, oh man, that was easy. Or oh, man, that was fun. When did we get to do that again? That was awesome. I mean, it's like, and then you, I come away from like doing something that's very discreet with quantity and like see, I, I, data or I, something, I don't, I don't and I glaze that. over. And like, no. God, when do I have Look, to do that again? I don't want I don't I to do
0: that. See, I think, I think this is where we have the disagreement. I don't think it's innate. I don't think that when you experience that pleasure of executing a task, right, of doing, of, of using one of your skills, I don't think that's something that you're born with. I think that's something that you have gained, right, and then you're benefiting from, right? So, like, when you're an expert piano player and you go and play Rachmaninoff's, you know, second concerto right. or whatever it is in front of an audience and it's just awesome, or even if you just play it alone in your practice room and it's a pleasurable experience right, because right. you're exercising your skill, Ooh, yeah. to me that's that's
1: at a totally
0: different level than you know enjoying a bowl of ice cream.
1: No, I of course it is. I still think you're straw manning, or, or we're, we're speaking past each other here. But you're saying that that's somehow innate, that you just have that. No, and I'm, I'm saying, saying... No, you don't. You have to earn it. Right, right, right. No, I'm not saying it's innate. I'm saying the potential and the initial rubric, the, the initial kind of ergonomics inside of you that could be that. I mean, if you just... I mean, like, like wine tasting, for instance, right? There are people who are straight-up super tasters. They just literally have more taste buds spread out across more of their tongue and a better yeah, kind but of… most domains are not like this. They have a better openness to their nose and stuff like that, but they still have to drink 10,000 bottles and look at the clarity and try to come up with adjectives for these to understand and become a master sommelier, yeah. Right, And that you may become a master sommelier without being a super taster, but you have to have a certain architecture. You, if you don't have a minimum architecture in your nose and on your palate, you just cannot identify flavors like that. right? And then if you're – so say you have that but you're allergic to alcohol, then maybe you have to become a soy sauce taster. So my dad, these things limit, but I'm saying that you have that potential, and that's a physical I just, thing. Uh, yeah, but I just think a
0: lot of domains are not that clear. Right, I mean, very few domains are as clear as you have to be six foot six to go into the discipline, or you have to have super taste buds. Most domains, and I'm thinking of you know any any industry or any uh, academic discipline or whatever. Mm-hmm. Most of them are wide open, right, to people of all kinds of physical make- makeups and backgrounds, yeah, but... right? And the and the, the the clarity that we can see in oh well, this person's seven feet tall; they, they have the potential to be a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. You can't see in 99% of the cases. Out there.
1: No, I'm with you, but I'm saying that they in almost everything. If you're the kind of person that needs, let's say you're a you may be a chef, okay, and you're the kind of person who needs to come up with new combinations and new stuff, and it's the creativity. And you're a, almost over time from ten thousand hours, all this time, you figure out ways to combine flavors and stuff that people have never done. Versus like a bread maker who's an artisan, which is what we're going to talk about later today, is that he gets his kick by coming in in the Zen mode of doing the same thing every day and all the things that can go wrong and the humidity and all that stuff, and you figure it out, you build the dough, you let it rise, you build the fire, and you make the same bread, and it comes out every day. Or a beer maker that makes the same three for the sushi maker. There's a movie about this. Right, right. Like, yes, yeah, so, okay.
0: So yes, I think I think we're we're converging to some extent, right? That that yes, you do have some kind of passion or direction or aptitude, right? But you might have multiple of those, right? Of course, yeah. Right, and you have to and in order to become excellent at what you do and to really have marketable skills, right? Career mm-hmm. capital to exchange for the things that you so desire, right? Right. Uh, you have to put in the time. To develop that aptitude or that passion into something that's real and like has hard edges. That's like a real skill right,
1: and I think that, that people want to pay you money for. Right. Well what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to draw a line between was it Cal Newstead, is that the guy's name? Newport. Newport. Cal Newport. And Marcus Buckingham. And um, uh, I think he he wrote a book called Go Put Your Strengths to Work. He was one had him and Donald Clifton wrote the original um yeah. now Now Discover Your Strengths that then they started the next start of the finder movement, right? I'm trying to draw a line between those two. You start with what you have now, but you go through, you're a professor, you do research, you write a book, you teach classes to students, you teach classes at a distance, you take part in a budget meeting, you do these different things, and throughout the day, there's some things you come away with going, man, that was awesome. I wish I could do that all day. That When do I get to do that again? And then you come out of a meeting or something, and maybe you go, Wow, if I had to do that every day. that And so over time, you start identifying these things. Those things that you really enjoyed are probably the ones that you're better at. And you slowly Wait, start it's slant. This is Cal, not, Cal said this. It's this is not what Cal innate, said. innate,
0: though, that's the whole thing, right? It's not just. It's not because you have some sort of weird personality quirk in your DNA that says I'm better at budget meetings than at uh, curriculum meetings or something like that.
1: Well, you're better. Do, at do you see what I'm
0: saying? It's it's because you've developed skills. Right, in brain a science area.
1: disagrees with you. I mean that's the, I, I, the 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 science shows us that at a very early age there are certain kind of th- synapses that die off because we didn't use them and certain ones that get stronger and one person will become conceptual okay. another person will become more concrete and they are different things. I I want to go back to the music example, right? Yeah. So let's say you've never tried playing piano before. Right. And you
0: sit down and you have a teach yourself piano book and you start trying to hack through right. you know whatever the first scale is you're supposed to learn. It's not very fun it's really hard, right right, but once you gain the skill of playing piano mm-hmm. and you sit down to play a piece, maybe one that you 've practiced a hundred times, it can be very pleasurable right to execute that skill. so I guess what what I'm saying is that that, that pleasure that you're describing mm-hmm. in, in doing what you're made to do or whatever mm-hmm. is is really the, the, the pleasure that you that you get, so to speak, by um by doing the thing that you are so skilled at, right, that it's fun to do, right,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: the the gaining of that skill is not so much fun, necessarily, right? I mean, I think that there can be there can be moments of of okay. fun or pleasure along the way, okay. right? But
1: a lot of it's hard work. Okay. See, see if this sounds familiar. One of my strengths, not a talent, theme, an actual strength. It's something that I feel strong when I get energized by. I cannot wait to do again. Is Having a conversation about something meaningful with someone whom I respect, but without a very specified agenda to where the conversation is going to go in a way that it can be supple and free form, and we can follow the paths that it takes. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. That's why I wanted to do this podcast. And I didn't ever do a podcast like this before, but I, you and I had had a hundred of these conversations over the bar upstairs over the coffee bar and i've been having these conversations while i'm doing my work which is making coffee over the years i'm great at th- this is what i do This is what, or at least this is what I feel strong in. This is what I love. And when people have these conversations with me, they seem to come away going, wow, that's really interesting. And we have listeners. So, I mean, so there's one thing, right? Now, it's all the fact that I've always been drawn to this. I've gotten better at it and better at it as I've grown intellectually and emotionally and, and have more experience, taking in more information over the years. But I've always enjoyed this kind of conversation. When I was a little kid, I was the kind of kid that would just sit and talk to an adult and just, hmm, well, I wonder why that's so. And we would talk about things. I've just always been that way, right? So that's a strength. And I, it feels pretty dang innate to me when I do it, right? I think that, so I think that everyone has those kind of things. I know three or four of mine. And they, man, when I read them, I feel like I'm reading my name. I'm like, well, that's me. That's really, really me. Now, it's the experience. Obviously, it's synaptic stuff. It's it's the connections of synaptic connections that happen from constant use in that thing. And the, just like the things that make, but you have, like your example with the piano, you have to have a requisite uh, level of um, uh, hand-eye coordination to or, and, and the, the dexterity in your fingers and all that to play that before you're even a candidate to put that 10,000 hours in. I don't really have that. I probably could put 10,000 hours in and probably not be able to play Rachmaninoff.
0: Well, I, I don't know if every human being has the potential to play Rachmaninoff's second concerto or whatever it is. the supposedly the hardest piece. But I do think a lot of, I mean, probably 99% of people have the physical capability to learn how to play piano. Now I will say that. Right, but not to be a master
1: sommelier. Right, and I will say that like things like, um, like drawing, they say that if you have the, the manual dexterity to write your name legibly, then you can draw it well. Sure. It's not, but, but that's because it's a, a habit that exists in the eye and in the brain. Right. It's not actually in your hand. Right. It's being able to translate what you see into two dimensions and then move that down a synaptic pathway into your hand to just do what it's supposed to do. Right? But And so most people can do that. But whether or not most people have that ability to get enough of a kickback from the early process and the early successes to continue right. and want to keep doing it is a whole different thing, you know? Right. No, No. you're right that you have to, in order to choose
0: a path, right, in order to, to master a domain, mm-hmm. right, you have to choose a particular one. And I think in order to make that choice, you have to have some sort of early experience right.
1: that indicates to you, wow, I could be really good at this. You know, and there's an, there, but then here's the other thing. um. Buckingham tells a story in that book that I just find amazing. This okay, this this kid this kid was a, an amazing swimmer in high school, and he was incredible. He's breaking world, breaking like state records and all that stuff. But he would get panic attacks and get really bad headaches before every meet. And it turns out that for whatever reason, the universe or God or somebody had made him amazing at something that he just absolutely hated. And he finally, senior year, instead, of he was going to go to the Olympics. I mean, he quit. And everyone just thought he was nuts. And You're so good. He goes, but I hate it. And I've gotten great at it. And I still hate it. And the headaches went away. The panic attacks went away. Now he owns a recording studio. And he's super happy doing that. He's pretty good at it. But for whatever, so it, it, being good at something isn't enough. Right. Right. So you could put 10,000 hours in and get good at something that makes you miserable. Right. Right. So anyway. So should you follow your passion? Depends on what you mean by passion. If you mean
0: that <laughs> it's that a yes or no question, you can do that. It's a yes or no being, question. Then, yeah. Should you follow your passion? Uh, yes, I'm going to say no. <laughs> you should work really hard and get skills that then you can exchange for. You should do that as well. Those things that you so desire in congruence with your passions. And how you're built. All right, so whether you follow your passion or you don't, you did listen to another episode of the Over the Counter Podcast. I'm Mark Eastcheck. And I am Andrew Whaley.